You're listening to episode number six of the Keto Diet Podcast. Hey, I'm Leanne from healthfulpursuit.com, and this is the Keto Diet Podcast, where we're busting through the restrictive mentality of a traditional ketogenic diet to uncover the life you crave. What's keto? Keto is a low-carb, high-fat diet where we're switching from a sugar-burning state to becoming fat-burning machines. The keto diet has helped me with fertility, has ended my constant weight struggles, blood sugar regularities, imbalanced moods, and so, so much more. I want to share this magic with you using a realistic approach to this powerful diet. No restriction, new ways of looking at things, and positive support awaits. Let's get this party started. It may sound like I'm getting sick, but actually I celebrated Halloween at a really loud place. And I had to yell the whole night, so I kind of lost my voice. But we're just going to keep trucking on with today's episode. And funny enough, it's a solo episode, so I'll literally be talking for an entire hour. All good things, I swear. Before we get started with today's episode, the awesome thing this week is that I just launched my Keto Holiday Cookbook. It's my newest digital cookbook that's ready to help you celebrate the holidays keto style, featuring a variety of over 30 low-carb appetizers, starters, side dish, dessert, and condiment recipes. Each dish will bring your holiday meals to life, whether you're hosting a group with a bunch of food allergies, your keto friends, or people that don't even know what a keto is. You can find more details about this instant download that is only $9.99 over at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash keto holiday. And I'll also include a link in today's show notes for that. So really, really pumped about this. Perfect for Thanksgiving and Christmas and all of the things that are happening pretty soon here. I also included a bunch of menus, dinner party menus. So it's really plug and play, super easy. I really enjoyed creating this book for you so that you can access instantly, download, print, whatever you'd like to do and get making some sugar cookies. In today's episode, we're going to be covering what went wrong with my ketogenic diet, how I've adapted keto to work for my body as a woman, carb up strategies and some alternatives, as well as thoughts and experiences that I've had on fasting. The show notes for today's episode can be found at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash podcast forward slash E6. And let's hear from one of our awesome partners. podcast is partnered with Vital Proteins. You guys know how much I love Vital Proteins. Their collagen peptides, collagen protein, also known as beef gelatin, as well as the marine collagen has just been transformed into stick packs. So if you love their products just as much as me, but you're sick and tired of putting your collagen or gelatin into little baggies yourself, they've done it for you. Each stick pack has 10 10 grams of either your collagen peptides, your beef gelatin, or your marine collagen, 
all in one little pack that you can put in your purse, you can take with you camping, you can even bring them on holidays. Each box comes with 20 stick packs. Super excited about this. You can stock up on your stick packs and other awesome things from Vital Proteins by going to vitalproteins.com and using the coupon code VPHP10 for 10% off your entire order plus free shipping in the US. Speaking of partners, if you guys listened to episode five of the podcast, you may have noticed that we have a new partner and it's Primal Kitchen. I'm so stoked that they are partnered up with the podcast. You guys know how much I love their mayo. It's in almost every picture that I ever post on Instagram. So chatted with the crew over there. They were really stoked to jump in on the podcast. They've put together a really sweet offer for all of us. I'm going to be using it. You should use it. You can use the coupon code FAT, all in caps, no spaces for 15% off everything. And they just came out with a dairy-free, paleo, awesome keto ranch dressing. I'm not even kidding. This is literally the best dressing. I mean, I've already gone through a bottle and it's been a day and a half. So (laughs) if you like dressing and you like dressing up your foods, definitely give it a whirl. And don't think just salads because I know it's getting like cold outside and like who wants to have a ranch dressing slathered salad but I made a bunch of shredded beef yesterday last night and then I drizzled well dumped a bunch of the ranch dressing on there and it was so good so if you have an idea for a podcast episode or you want to submit praise over and above your review that you've already left for the show right you can reach me at info at ketodietpodcast.com so let's read a review really quickly okay So this review comes from Shopper and says, good information and inspiration source towards health. Leanne's new podcast is just full of yummy information. I love how freeing her approach makes me feel with this way of living. This is a true gem of a podcast and I highly, highly recommend it. Great job. So great. To leave your review and support my show, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com forward slash review and you'll be directed to a page where you can submit your review. Click on reviews and write a review. Give me five stars, hopefully, and write something nice. Or you can head to your favorite podcast app and search for the Keto Diet Podcast and submit your review over there. You guys loved episode two of the podcast. That's where I was interviewing Katie on her experience going keto. So I'll actually be doing a lot more interviews with regular ladies that are already adapted or in the process of adapting or they've learned certain things about their body because although I love having doctors and specialists on this show, oftentimes, and what frustrates me as well, being a woman on keto is The resources out there are really geared toward men, sadly, and even when I have been asking these leaders in the space to talk about women's health, there's not a lot of knowledge about it, so instead of bashing my head against the wall multiple times trying to come up with resources for you guys, I will still continue to have a lot of different guests and we have great interviews coming up, but I also will be interviewing women on their experience of going keto on keto, lessons on keto, so that we can all learn from each other because that's really where it all came from for me and experimenting on myself. So I figured if I was going to be chatting with other women about their experience on keto, 
I thought maybe I should do my experience on keto specifically for women and how carb ups have played a role in that. And my next phase to my ketogenic diet because it is shifting and it's very exciting. So I wanted to share that information with you because the podcast is a great place to chat with you about what I'm experimenting with and what I'm finding in my own body as a woman on a ketogenic diet. So for those of you who are new and don't really know my story, I'm just going to go over it very, very briefly. Basically, when I started keto, I was massively calorie restricting as well as working out and fasting at the same time. And if you guys listened to the fasting episode, you guys learned that fasting as well as calorie restriction and working out causes a huge hot mess. And it did with me. My hair was falling out. I wasn't having a very good time sleeping, if sleeping at all. It was just all bad, but I did experience drastic weight loss. So I kept going. And if there was a night where I could go to bed absolutely starving, that was like high five in my books and made me feel really good about myself and the process. And that could only go for so long. So after a bunch of months of losing my hair and not feeling so great, I started a carb up practice and over the next year and a bit, I continued to do carb ups within my ketogenic practice and I got my period back for the first time in over eight years. I had amenorrhea. It boosted my metabolism. I went from eating very, very limited calories, like a thousand a day to eating upwards of 5,000 calories. And we're actually going to have a guest on the podcast chatting about reverse dieting, which is what I did. So we'll get into that in a future episode. As well, I'm sure I'll talk about it in this episode too, because I have a lot to share. And now that my period's been back for over a year, I've been practicing these carb ups almost every night. I am curious what would happen if I went more of a full keto fat field profile. So I'm referring to my fat field profiles, which you can find in my program fat fueled that's at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash fat fueled, or you can just search fat fueled Leanne. You'll probably find it on the interwebs, but I'm switching from more of a daily fat burner, fat fueled profile where I'm having carbs almost every night to more of a full keto fat fueled profile. So what that means is that I'll be carving up maybe once a week and I'll be pairing that up with a bit of fasting. How is this different than my old approach? Well, I'm not going to be restricting calories. I will never, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can say never, but well, never say never. You never know. But for right now, I won't be taking part in marathons or spending four hours at the gym because I ain't got time for that. And I won't be going to bed hungry ever. If I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. I'm not going to force my fasting. And I've actually been practicing this now for about three weeks and I'm feeling pretty good so far. I've been documenting everything and taking note of things and it's definitely a different form of eating. So far so good. I think the major takeaway for me was 
I really need to make sure that I'm eating enough. And in that first phase of my ketogenic diet, while I did lose a bunch of weight, I really messed up my body. And it took me quite a long time to get back to a good place and then heal my hormones and balance my hormones, I guess is the better way of saying that. But for me, with my hormones, it was almost like somebody just flipped a switch and they all went off. So when I say heal my hormones, I imagine just my body completely healing from the inside out. I've had a lot of people say, you can't actually heal your hormones. I totally get it. But it was like balancing your hormones, healing your body. So I really, really need to be careful and really watch my body and listen to my body And there are days, you know, over the last three weeks where I've just been too hungry to fast and that's okay. And I've been finding that if I do have a rocket fuel latte, especially if I'm breaking a fast that's say 12 hours, I find it makes me more hungry if I have like a fatty drink than if I just continue to fast without the fat. Whereas when I was practicing a daily fat burner, fat fueled profile, a rocket fuel latte or a fatty drink in the morning would just feel good and I could continue fasting. So it's quite interesting. So for those of you who really, really require and have asked for a very clear layout of the things that I explain on the podcast so that you can play around with it yourself, I'll give just a basic overview of what I was doing and what I'm doing now and what I'm experiencing. So what I was doing previously was I would wake up, usually I would have breakfast and then lunch and dinner. I rarely fasted. Maybe I would go 12 hours. That was usually the maximum that I would do. And I would have carbs almost every evening and that lasted quite a long time. And now I am finding that I'm probably fasting. Now, this is just water, or sometimes I'll have bone broth blended with some MCT oil. I'm probably doing that about three to four times a week, and I'll stop eating. I stop eating pretty late. I usually do like a 10 p.m. snack before I go to bed because I hate going to bed hungry, And then I'll wake up, I'll go through my day, maybe noon. So we're sitting at 14 hour fasted at noon. I'll have a bone broth or I'll drink a ton of water throughout the morning. And for example, right now, that's what I did today. And it's now 4.30 PM and I haven't had anything today. So I'll probably break my fast right after this around 5.36, have that snack around 10. But then because I only had, you know, two meals Today, I'll probably break the fast earlier tomorrow. So you can see that it's constantly ebbing and flowing. And what's been really key for me, this this go around of switching back to a full keto fat field profile is for me to really not pay attention to my weight. I'm not weighing myself. I refuse to weigh myself, not pay attention to my macros. I've been eating this way for a really long time. Basically, all I'm doing is removing the carbs in the evening switching around my meal times and eating more fat. That's it. There's no requirement to count anything. I just, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And the other piece is listening to my body and not counting the clock. So like 
as I'm talking and counting up these hours, this is the first time that I've really encouraged myself to do it just because I'm sharing information with you. But I'm not a big fan of, oh my gosh, okay, so my last meal was at 8 p.m. So I literally can't eat until one o'clock the next day and blah, 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 and counting and tracking. No, I'm not a fan of that. I'm not going to prescribe to that for my own personal journey. So yeah, I'm really excited about this next phase in my ketogenic journey. And maybe I'll try it for another two weeks and I won't like it. And maybe there'll be days where I have more carbs than normal. And that's totally okay. Something that I've learned massively throughout my ketogenic experience is that just because, you know, you had carbs for breakfast or, you know, you doubled up on your carb up or you had too much protein doesn't mean you're starting off at square one. Whoop-de-doo. It happened. Move on. No big deal. And the really beautiful, amazing part to this whole thing is that I'm so fat adapted. So my body totally knows exactly what it's like to burn fat as fuel. And I can switch back to burning fat as fuel very, very quickly now that my body knows. So I just shared a bunch of things, said a bunch of words, and maybe you're like, what is a carb up? What are these fat fueled profiles? I don't understand. So a bunch of months ago, I did a podcast on carving up and a lot of you said that it was super, super helpful. So I'm going to go through a bunch of new things that I've learned, including protein ups. So let's go through what a carb up is. Basically, a carb up is a cyclical ketogenic diet where you are consuming carbohydrates in various amounts. In my protocol, it's in the evening, and I'll explain why in a moment, to help with a bunch of different things, which I'll also explain in a a moment. There's also a strategy that I've been playing around with on my body over the last year or so, as well as a bunch of individuals in our private Facebook group have told me about this, are protein ups. So that's basically where you'd have a carb up, where you're consuming a little bit more carbohydrates. Instead of using the carbohydrates, you're using protein. And there are people that resonate really, really great with this. I find that this works really, really great for me a couple of days before I ovulate. I've found that that's been helpful. So know that that is an option for you. So let's go through what a carb up is, how I'm using this in my new protocol, and maybe you'll learn something about your body along the way. So I'm a high fat ketogenic enthusiast who, as you know, promotes a low carb diet yet eats upwards of 75 to 150 grams a day. And there's other women in our community who resonate really, really well with this approach too. So we know that a ketogenic diet or any diet for that matter can fail because We're thinking diet starts tomorrow. Let's throw out all of the food and binge all the food that we won't be able to eat tomorrow when the diet starts. And then you feel disgusted with yourself. And then you wake up in the morning and you're like, yes, it's my diet. I'm going to rid myself of all those things that I ate yesterday and I'm so guilty and I'm going to restrict. And then a couple of like a couple of weeks later, maybe you're down 10 pounds. You're like, yes. And then somebody comes into the office with chocolate cake and you're like, I'm not going to eat the chocolate cake. And then I'll go for a walk. I'll drink some water. I'll have some tea. Oh my gosh, I really want that chocolate cake. I really want that chocolate cake. Okay, maybe I'll just have a bite. I've been so good with my diet. Okay, maybe just one more. (laughs) Ah, screw it. I'm going to eat all of the cake. (laughs) 
And then it starts all over again with the diet starts tomorrow, throw out the food, eat the food, binge the food. So what I was finding on a very restrictive ketogenic diet where I, like I said, I was restricting my calories. I was working out a whole bunch. I was going to bed hungry all the time. There became a time where I like, I just, I couldn't not binge on everything. And I know that so, so, so many women in our community feel the same way. So many women that have gone through a ketogenic diet and just said, you know, like there are days where I just, I just want a brownie and I wanted to, to find a place where that fits in because I really believe that the success toward healthful living is in finding balance and in finding self-love and swapping that out with all of the self-restriction and all of the yucky feelings that go along with not being able to have quote unquote, what you want when you want it. So I was doing these binges on this ketogenic eating style. And so I really wanted to figure out a way to incorporate these treats and things in a way that felt good. And of course, I'm a pretty sciencey person and I really want to make sure that the strategies that I try have some backing because I want to make sure that I'm being kind to my body. And I also want to make sure that I'm sharing information that I feel confident sharing. So I'm not just going to say, you know, like eat hard candies at bedtime because it will make you thinner, whatever. That was a horrible example, but you get it. So I came up with this strategy of you know, using carbs in a timely fashion, which really aligns with the cyclical ketogenic approach, which a lot of people follow. And then I realized that, you know, keto doesn't have to be an every moment thing. A carb up is a period of time, generally in the evening when one, aka this girl right here, eats a touch of carbs with dinner or dessert by simply switching the fat that they would eat with carbohydrates. So this is a specific, really important point is that you You need to switch the amount of fat that you would generally eat with carbohydrates. So if you just make a keto meal and throw a bunch of carbs in there, you're eating a lot more and you're probably going to come up with some issues. You may not want to do that. And I've been using this strategy now for quite some time to encourage health, longevity, and because many report just feeling better being fat fueled than glucose fueled, but want to continue living a normal life. So if you've been placed on a ketogenic diet because of a health imbalance condition or a concern, it's best to chat with your medical professional to determine if a carb up practice or a carb up approach aligns with your healthcare plan as somebody with a tendency for hypothyroidism, adrenal fatigue. I mean, the list goes on paralyzing stress, ADHD. My carb up practice is at the core of my success with ketogenic living and will continue to do so. Even though I'm on more of a full keto fat fuel profile right now, I still have those carb ups once a week and I practice a carb up at Halloween because my sister And my sister-in-law hosted a big Halloween party and they made a bunch of gluten-free, dairy-free treats. A lot of them had sugar, tons of them had carbs, and that just allows me to have fun and eat all of the Halloween treats and then just get back on board the next day. It's no big deal. So why carbs on a low carb eating style? So while carbohydrates in excess are no good, they still are necessary for specific actions in the body, including converting your thyroid hormone over to its active form and serving as fuel for the brain. Although much of the brain's daily function can be ran specifically by ketones, glucose is preferred for some processes and it can also mitigate symptoms and the 
display of physiological insulin resistance. So that's a state that sometimes occurs in people who have been eating low carb for quite some time. It's not a big deal. It just happens. And something that I have also realized over time is that a carb up practice is also really, really great for ensuring that you're eating enough resistant starch. And resistant starch is a prebiotic that passes your stomach and small intestine going right to the gut and really helps build the microflora of your gut. So if you are concerned with your gut flora, and we chatted about this in a previous episode, talking about how everything starts in the gut and how your gut can influence anxiety, depression, a lot of mood stuff. I know that a lot of women out there, especially myself included, I'm always really interested on how my gut health influences my mood and such. So with resistant starch and a carbo practice, you can definitely play around with that. My favorite resistant starch is uh, cooked potatoes that I then cool in the fridge and then I reheat. The thing about reheating resistant starch is it can't go over 130 Fahrenheit or I think that's 50 degrees celsius 50 55 degrees celsius so to avoid the funkiness of like oh my gosh i just reheated my potatoes and now killed all the resistant starch i just make like potato salad and stuff to ensure that i'm getting the resistant starch whereas a classic ketogenic eating style where you are eating keto all of the time no carbs ever is going to be lacking in that resistant starch and could cause some imbalances in your microflora so that's something to look at at least So I mentioned physiological insulin resistance and how, you know, by having a carb up practice, it can help with that. With insulin resistance comes leptin resistance. And by increasing leptin achieved by a carb up practice, which directly positively influences leptin production, away goes insulin resistance. So if the insulin resistance takes hold, leptin resistance often occurs alongside. So while some literature and personal statements account for this state as being a mere convenience with no real impact on overall health. I didn't enjoy the way that I felt when I had this. So physiological insulin resistance occurs in those who have gone very low carb, so low that they slide into ketosis and rely solely on ketones as their energy source for an extended period of time. So for me, it took about six months of full ketogenic eating to reach physiological insulin resistance. However, some of my clients saw these effects in as little as two to three weeks. So the classic sign that you're experiencing physiological insulin resistance is when your glucometer, so if you're testing your blood glucose levels reads higher than normal all of the time. So if it's one little spike, it's usually okay. So what's happening here is that your peripheral tissues have entered into an insulin resistant state to preserve glucose for the parts of the brain that require it. So even if there's glucose floating around, there's a rule in place that tells no other cell to grab glucose except for the brain. Some feel that the state is totally normal and harmless, but I felt like total garbage. Like I I said, and the carbo practice really helped that. So that is what I did. And, you know, some people may disagree. You may say like, I tried that and made me feel like crap. That is awesome. So cool that you tried it. Like everybody is so different. 
But for me, having that touch of carbohydrate to replenish my body with the carbs that it needs, it amps up leptin, will carry over to the next day, making fasting way easier and sliding back into fat burning mode effortlessly. So what I notice, okay, so Halloween party happened, had all the carbs, woke up in the morning and I was very thirsty. So I drank a whole bunch. I had my electrolyte powder and I fasted for 24 hours. Boom, done. Like so easy. My leptin was totally reset. So great. Wasn't hungry. And it made fasting so easy, so easy. So I find something that I've noticed lately on the full keto fat field profile. When I've done a carb up, I can fast pretty long periods of time, which is what it's like on any fat field profile. But with full keto, if I find it's getting a little bit harder to fast, like I'm on my sixth or seventh day of fasting and, you know, that sixth day, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm hungry. And it's only been 11 hours since I ate last. That's a good sign for me personally that I need to do a carb up (laughs) and then I do the carb up and I'm easily able to fast for a longer period of time. So that's what I've noticed in my own body. And you're probably wondering how can somebody possibly be ketogenic and yet have carbs? This makes no sense. The key to a successful carb up practice is performing it on a body that's fat adapted, a one that understands, knows, and has set enzymes in place to choose fat as its primary fuel over carbohydrates. So I was actually speaking at an event last spring and I kept jumping from one side of the stage to the other, explaining how the body goes from a fat burning state to a carb burning state when they're fat adapted. So if you've had the carbs, you're going to burn those carbs and go right back into fat burning. But if you're new to the process, you're going to kind of like mosey on over to fat burning and probably get some keto flu and not feel so hot. So the enzymes that make it possible to do the switchy switch back and forth really easy are involved in that transition in the production of ketone body synthesis. So there are enzymes that make that jump really quickly. As you begin to adapt, you're jumping back and forth, but when you first get started, it's going to be pretty slow moving. So the interesting function of one of the enzymes, beta-hydroxybutyrate dihydrogenase, I hope I said that right, I'm no chemist, is that it stores energy equivalent to the coenzyme found in all living cells in the ketone body itself for export to tissues like the brain, muscles, and heart. And this produces a more stable molecule during its transition. So I really don't want this to be like a science episode where you're like, what did she say about the hydroetahase? I don't even understand. (laughs) I just wanted to really explain the carb up practice and why you can totally have a slice of cake and move on and go to your favorite bakery and totally rock your life. So what I want to convey is that your carbohydrate amount is going to be different and probably for anyone that's listening, your carbohydrate amount is going to be different than mine, which is going to be different than Sue's and Sally's and Amanda's and Rachel's. The podcast is excited to be partnered with IntelliBed, the non-toxic mattress that provides optimal comfort and support for your body. If you guys remember, last year I wrote a post about my newfound discovery of the toxins conventional mattresses are treated in. From flame retardants, boric acid, and formaldehyde, it was enough to make my skin crawl. All of these chemicals can wreak havoc on health, including our hormone function. 
So in July 2015, I swapped out my conventional mattress for an IntelliBed, and it's been one of the best choices I've made for our family's health. We didn't think that the headaches, throat clearing, and hip pains were being caused by our mattress, but it's so clear now that they were. You too can create a toxin-free sleeping environment with IntelliBed. Head on over to healthfulpursuit.com forward slash sleep to get 10% off your IntelliBed order plus a free Blendtec blender when you place an order on or before December 5th, 2016. Once you've decided on a mattress, use the coupon code HELPFUL at checkout for your discount. So if you're wondering why carb ups and why they shouldn't scare you and also why my protocol, you know, says to have your carbohydrates at night, let's go through a little bit of the basics and then I'll explain a little bit more in depth. So Lipolysis is the breakdown of triglycerides that we store in our fat tissues. And insulin is a blood sugar balancer that triggers the absorption of glucose by your liver, fat, and muscle cells, lowering blood sugar concentration. So when insulin is outworking, lipolysis is paused so that we can burn or store the glucose that's coming in. So once glucose is handled, we go back to fat burning. Beyond insulin's role in fuel metabolism, it also sends energy status signals to the brain, alerting it that we're in need of fuel. So the interesting thing with maintaining leveled insulin as a result of a ketogenic diet is its immense ability in reducing these signals because of the fuel we need. Fat is on our bodies, so body fat, thereby reducing appetite naturally. And insulin resistance is when glucose builds up in the blood, leading to raised blood sugar because the insulin receptors on the cells have become deaf to insulin. Think the boy who cried wolf is always how I think of it. It's like he cries and cries and cries and all the townspeople stop listening regardless if there's a wolf or not. So those are your cells. Insulin sensitivity is a state that we want to be in. So this is where your body has a sharp handle on things when it comes to blood sugar stabilization. And insulin is secreted, used efficiently, and we get back into fat burning or lipolysis. And then there's glycogen and our muscles store glycogen, liver stores glycogen as well, and excess goes to body fat. So glycogen, as you remember, is stored glucose and is the body's first line energy stockpile of fuel for harder physical efforts and keeping specific systems brain, red blood cells, kidney cells running efficiently all day. So the glycogen stores in the liver can be utilized by the rest of the body, whereas the glycogen in the muscles are for action in the particular muscle. Then there's ghrelin. So this is an appetite increaser and the lover of fat amassing in our belly region. And then there's leptin, which is a satiating hormone triggered to tell us that we're full. So earlier I mentioned like when I do a carbo practice, my leptin like kicks in and I'm not hungry all day. That's what we're talking about there. Then there's glucagon, which is released when the concentration of glucose in the bloodstream falls too low. So it stimulates the liver to convert stored glycogen into glucose, which is released into the bloodstream. And this stimulates lipolysis. And there's cortisol, which is produced in response to stress, whether that be environmental, physical, psychological, the list goes on. So there are a couple myths about carbohydrates and eating them in the morning versus the evening. So the first one is that you should eat your carbs in the morning so that you have all day to burn them off. 
Okay. <laughs> if, and the second one is if you eat carbs at night, you'll gain weight. The third, your metabolic rate declines when you sleep. And the fourth myth is that you shouldn't eat past 5 p.m. So here are some of the truths. And with all of these truths, as well as some of the information I've already shared on the podcast today, I'll include a bunch of the studies and literature that I use to come up with these points. So the first truth is eating carbs in the morning sets you up for an endless feeding frenzy every two hours with the risk of brain fog, poor work performance, and imbalanced nutrition choices. The second one is that carbohydrates don't magically add to your waistline when the clock strikes 6 p.m., especially if you're in a calorie deficit. And I mean, calories is a whole other conversation, which we chatted about in a previous episode with Dr. Jason Fung. So the takeaway here is that anything in excess can be stored as body fat. But if the body needs the food that you're eating, then it's going to use it regardless if it's 7 p.m. or 12 p.m. or 7 a.m. It doesn't matter. And third is that your metabolism slows down as you begin to fall asleep and stays around 35% below function, but only when it comes to fat and protein energy expenditure, not carbohydrates. In fact, carbohydrate oxidation shows no remarkable changes from the onset of sleep and actually begins to increase before you wake up. So the takeaway here is your body loves to burn carbohydrates as it's sleeping. And the fourth is that we are programmed to be night eaters. So think of, you know, imagine yourself living in a cave with no internet. Sadly, there was no internet in the Paleolithic era. And you've just woken up, you know, in the winter, you've probably woken up pretty late because the sun is like rising at 9 a.m. And you have all these things to do and you have to go like find something. And you got to kill it and you got to eat it. And that takes time. So by the time you're chowing down on your first meal, it's probably like the end of your workday. And I know that for myself specifically, when I worked in an office, I would be like somewhat hungry through the day. But when I got home, it was like, give me all of the foods because you've been out all day. You're at home, you're back in your cave and you just want to eat. Your circadian rhythm can play a major role in this entire rhythm of your body. So as you wake up, cortisol is elevated and therefore so is your glucose availability. Your ghrelin is up, stimulating us to want to eat. So this is mitigated by your carbo practice, which actually increases leptin sensitivity to carry you on through the morning, making fasting through the morning easier and mobilization of fat completely effortless because ghrelin is low. So when you eat carbs at night, you create the hormonal state to mobilize fat. But when you eat carbs first thing, you end that mobilization to burn fat for the rest of the day. So cortisol acts to move energy out of the stores into readily available forms and your blood glucose is slightly elevated and we're ready to take on the day. So because of this raise in your blood glucose, literature points to us being more insulin sensitive at this time, but that doesn't mean that we should be eating carbohydrates. From a waking state, so so we've just woken up to a carbohydrate-based breakfast, you're going to continue to already raise glucose and insulin in your body and experience ongoing hunger throughout the day, brain fog, insulin that's chronically elevated, which insulin is constantly pulling glucose from the blood to be burned for energy or moved to be stored as glycogen. There's going to be ups and downs in carbohydrate ingestion, 
brain fog, fatigue, focus is zapped, energy crash, and minimal energy to eat clean. Because I know that when I have carbohydrates first thing, all I want to do is eat all of the foods all day and I, I don't even care about my quote unquote diet. And when we're in this state, we're not going to be burning fat because our insulin is elevated. Whereas when we wake to do a low carbohydrate, high fat breakfast and lunch, we're going to be avoiding that brain fog, no energy crash, lowers inflammation, accelerates the fat loss process. And then when we finish our day with a carb up in the evening, it's a more natural approach and the downward trend of our blood sugar occurs when we're sleeping. It improves our weight loss, improves leptin sensitivity, which the spike in insulin promotes muscle protein synthesis. So when we eat those carbohydrates, we're going to bump up our insulin a little bit and that's going to help us with synthesizing our protein. It promotes fat loss and muscle retention. The boost in serotonin production leads to better sleep because we're increasing our tryptophan as a precursor to serotonin. It increases our fat loss, increased recovery. I mean, the list goes on. So if you have been looking at a carb up practice and you just heard me talking about how I'm going to continue adding carb ups to my ketogenic experiment as I continue to be keto and play around with new things. I'm hoping that some of that information was helpful and maybe encouraged you to look at carbs in a different way. Let's chat a little bit about weight stalls and cortisol and stress, because this is another piece that I've learned in my ketogenic experience. Yeah. So earlier this year, we decided that it was a great idea to renovate our home And it ended up being a total complete nightmare that was so stressful that I gained quite a lot of weight. And it was so crazy because if I test my ketones in that period, my ketones were bang on, yet I was still gaining weight. And what I learned very firsthand is that to effectively burn through your glycogen stores, you need to be in an insulin supportive environment where cortisol isn't left to spike and therefore increase insulin as a result. So Creating this calm environment can be especially challenging for us ladies as we often live in a chronic stress response, leading to constant peaks and valleys of insulin abuse without ever tapping into our intramuscular triglycerides. So we need to tap into these stores in the first 10 days as we adapt and we need to continue to do so. Okay, so if we're in a completely high stress lifestyle and we're trying to lose weight or we're trying to get fat adapted, when that cortisol is increasing, it's spiking up our insulin and it's making it pretty impossible to maintain a balanced weight. And this isn't just about weight loss. Like I wasn't trying to lose weight. I was just like eating all of the same foods, having the same keto numbers. I literally didn't change anything and I was gaining weight. So if this is you and you're feeling completely stuck in a rut, And maybe you're going through your own crazy time. (laughs) Like there are so many different options. Maybe hockey season does it for you with all the kids and the cars and the vans and the equipment. And it's really stressful. One thing you may want to look at is getting your stress under control and reducing your insulin and then trying a carb up. If you're also working out in this period and pushing yourself super hard at the gym, I have news for you. If cortisol is an issue for you and your blood sugar spiking up and you're super stressed, no amount of working out is actually going to fix the problem. In fact, by working out and pushing yourself harder in a stress state, you're actually causing more cortisol to be produced, which is also going to break down muscle and cause just as many issues as before, if not more. So 
especially if you're of reproductive age, if fertility is an issue for you as it was for me, it was really important for me to be fertile and not even because I want children, but just because I'm a woman and I should be able to get pregnant anytime I want. And if I can't, that to me is a really good sign of health for me. So if you're in this state, I would highly recommend, you know, starting a meditation practice. It can be really helpful. Starting a gratitude practice, also very helpful. Takes like seconds. Morning practice, also very good. Pick a couple things that make you feel good in the morning. Do them. If you're pushing yourself really hard at the gym, perhaps go for walks. Do gentle yoga for a bit. If you have a significant other that can help you around the house to lower your stress load, awesome. If it means you have to say no to things... That is okay too. I'm like the girl that says yes to everything. And I've really had to learn how to say no. Instant Pot, my personal favorite pressure cooker, is a partner of the podcast. With Instant Pot, you can make meals in minutes. Truly, I was someone who was intimidated by pressure cookers, but I'm so happy I gave Instant Pot a try. It makes rich bone broths, hearty stews, and epic dishes just like your slow cooker does, but a lot quicker. I have the Instant Pot IP Duo 60, which pressure cooks, slow cooks, cooks rice, sautés, makes yogurt, steam and warms up food all in one. As an exclusive for Keto Diet Podcast listeners only, Instant Pot is offering everyone $50 off any Instant Pot of their choice. Simply go to instantpot.com, find the unit that best suits you, and use the coupon code KETO, that's all in caps, no spaces, for your $50 discount. So that's carb ups. And I wanted to chat a little bit about fasting because in episode four, I had Jason Fung on the podcast and it was a great conversation until we got to the part about women and fasting. I felt like there was a lot left out that we didn't really get to talk about. And during the interview, Jason's answers surrounding fasting for women left me a little bit deflated. And this is nothing about Jason. He is a fabulous doctor, just finished a great book with Jimmy Moore. Love it. I've read half of it. It's fabulous. I plan on reading the other half next weekend. There are a couple of things that he said that as a woman, I just couldn't get behind at all. A couple of the things that didn't make it into the podcast, actually, because we like had to cut some stuff. And I, I knew that if I put it in there, there'd be a lot more questions than we could provide answers for. A couple of them were fasting is safe for all women, and it's exactly like men. And there was another piece about nutrient defici- deficiencies for fasting for long periods of time and it being not that great for pregnant women or breastfeeding women because of those nutrient deficiencies. And I think, well, no, I know that when it comes to fasting, we're missing a huge part to the conversation and it really surrounds women's health. I don't feel personally that saying that, you know, a woman can prepare for, say, a colonoscopy in a fasted state and their health is just fine is the same as a woman practicing intermittent fasting for like every day for the next two years and comparing the two, like it just doesn't make any sense to me personally as a woman. I wanted to bring up this fasting conversation and I'm going to be having a really awesome guest on the show to chat specifically about fasting for women in the weeks to come. But I wanted to bring this up because I receive 
so many messages from women that try fasting and they're they hate it and it doesn't feel good in their in their body and a lot of the literature out there and a lot of the people that are talking about fasting one it's all based on men and when women are brought up it's basically like oh yeah well if it works for men it works for women or it works for women that are fasting for blood tests and like that is literally not the same thing (laughs) and another piece is like people talking about well it worked for people eons ago and tribes did it just because a tribe did it doesn't mean that it's going to work well for me and I think the whole conversation around our heritage also plays a huge role like my husband is German he can't go one day without meat like it's just not physically possible and my heritage is also German with a bunch of French in there so I personally do really really well with fatty foods and really hearty things but I don't do well as a vegan I sucked at a vegan but some people you know in their heritage they do really fabulous with vegans so to say that because tribes fasted you can fast too I'm not sure is entirely fair and these are just like my personal thoughts And let's get to the nutrient deficiencies. So we know and I've experienced that in a case of amenorrhea, so this is a lack of period, hypothyroidism, adrenal dysfunction, if I fast for long periods of time, for sure there's going to be nutrient deficiencies. Like even in these last three weeks of me doing full keto, I am not eating as many nutrients, period. I just, I'm not as hungry for them. I don't crave them as much I'm not eating a lot like maybe I'll have one maybe two meals as opposed to before I was eating three maybe four meals they're like I'm just not eating as many nutrients period like you can't debate that so there has to be some potential for maybe some nutrient deficiencies and if you have health imbalances like hypothyroidism or adrenal dysfunction where you require nutrients to heal your body, fasting may not be the best option for you. And when I talk about fasting, at least for me, it's not an all or nothing mentality. And it used to be, it was like, okay, so now that I'm practicing a 16-8 fast, that is what I do every single day, day in, day out. That is what I do. It doesn't need to be like that, guys. Like today, I fasted for quite a long time. Tomorrow, I don't know. I might not fast at all. I might get up at four o'clock in the morning and be so hungry that I just need to have something to eat. And that's totally okay. It doesn't need to be an all or nothing thing. Something that's quite interesting about fasting and something that I love is that when people have hit a weight plateau and they're eating enough, that's a huge key. They have to be eating enough and they've hit a weight plateau. What I often look at is their fasting. So if you are eating all of the time on a ketogenic diet, you do run the risk of gaining weight. And that's why so many people that try a ketogenic diet, they come to me, they're like, I tried keto for three weeks and all I did was get fat. Like, well, how often were you eating? And then we look at it and it's like, well, I had breakfast and snack and then lunch and snack and then dinner and snack. And sometimes I had a snack after that snack. And it's like, well, yeah. Okay, so why don't you try fasting a little bit and see? But it's not a all or nothing thing. And especially as a woman, just, and maybe men too, but I'm not a guy, so I can't talk about it really that much. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm not, 
a guy. I don't have a guy body. It's completely different. I find that during my period, I can fast so easily. When I'm ovulating, no freaking way, man. <laughs> like I need a lot of protein. I need carbs. I'm going to be carving up and I actually haven't, uh, I'm supposed to be ovulating here pretty soon. So it'll be interesting to see like on full keto, what that looks like, how it feels. And, you know, with fasting, some women still report feeling anxious, emotional, short-tempered, etc. while fasting. I definitely experience that. So what could be helpful is fasting with a carb-up practice. So you could do a carb-up practice, say like the daily fat burner, fat field profile, coupled with fasting so that the carbohydrates may mitigate some of that anxious feeling while you continue to fast so you you know, cash in on the benefits of fasting while carving up. And this, like I said, it doesn't need to be like every day. Now you're a daily fat burner, fat fuel profile. You could switch over to adapted fat burner back to full keto. Like I said, all of this is in my program, fat fueled and the profiles and how to all make it work and know that with fasting, like it's all about experimenting. And it's not to say that anyone's information out there is wrong or right, or, you know, do my way or his way or her way or whatever. It's just, there were a couple of things in episode four that I didn't get to explain and that we had to cut out because the interview ended up being like an hour and a half and it was just too long for you guys. So I hope that I can continue to share some of my experiments on fasting and, you know, supplements that I'm using and things that encourage fasting and how I feel about my thyroid. I'm going to be monitoring that pretty closely to make sure that nothing is affected by this new stage in my ketogenic journey. And I'm really excited. It's, it's cool to finally be on the other side of things. You know, I, I really feel like I'm in a good, well, I know I'm in a good place hormonally. I've spent a lot a lot of work and energy and time really nourishing myself and listening to my body and Jason's conversation definitely also really inspired me to listen to my body and also play around a little bit more with fasting he gave me some really good ideas I actually completely forgot how great bone broth is and how you can continue to use that in an intermittent fasting process I think it's pretty fair to say with my body and my health experience and where I've been in my life I don't know if I'll ever do an extended period fast that's just something that I'm just not all that interested in. I have a history of an eating disorder and disordered eating. And I think that anyone who has a history of any sort of disordered eating can be triggered by fasting. And the key for me has been just like, don't count the hours. Just let it happen naturally. If it's 12 hours, great. If it's 16 hours, awesome. If it's 24 hours, cool. If it's like five minutes, that's okay too. It's totally fine. I think oftentimes we can get really overwhelmed with all of the rules and things out there. And guys, like your body knows, your body knows. I mean, now it's 5.06 and I started this recording 54 minutes ago and I'm hungry and I need to eat probably because, I mean, we talk about food and all I can think about is breaking my fast, but, (laughs) and that's okay. It's totally okay. So know that if you are feeling funky, 
on your protocol that you're on right now, you owe it to yourself to change and no amount of reading Reddit to tell you that you should just like keep on fasting or keep on doing this or push yourself should dictate how you go about your eating style. So I hope that that was helpful. I hope that explained a little bit of my experience on keto, how I got to carb ups from not doing carb ups, how I'm now playing around with fasting while eating enough and, you know, taking into consideration my personal health imbalances. I know that if my sleep starts to suck or my energy is weird, that my thyroid and my adrenals are playing a role. And I know that if I start to get anxious, I need to look at my carbohydrates, maybe limit my amount of fasting or switch fat field profiles. That's why I created the fat field profiles because I firmly believe with every single ketone in my body that we all are going to experience ketosis a little bit differently. And it would be absolutely ridiculous for me to say that this is the only way to do it. And within those fat field profiles, there are so many other variants from the carb ups to the protein ups to doing more protein, doing less protein, practicing intermittent fasting, not practicing intermittent fasting, having bone broth with your fast, having a rocket fuel latte with your fast, having nothing with your fast. So there's so many options. And I hope that by sharing my experience a little bit today. You guys have some ideas of how you can shift things for yourself. And we will continue with this awesome series. I'm really excited to interview more women on their ketogenic experiences and how they've adapted and how they are managing their time and their resources and money and supplements and everything. So more to come. And if you want to be a guest, if you have a story that you want to share with our crew and you think that you would be an awesome person to come on the show to just chat about your ketogenic experience. You don't need to be a doctor. You don't need to be a professional, anything to do with nutrition. If you are eating keto and you've learned a whole bunch about your body and you think it could be helpful, definitely send me an email at info at ketodietpodcast.com. I'd love to chat with you about coming on the show to share your story. So the show notes for today's episode can be found at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash podcast forward slash E6. And I'm so surprised I still have a voice. (laughs) So I'll see you guys next Sunday. Bye. And that does it for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Thanks for listening in. You can follow me on Instagram by searching Healthful Pursuit, where you'll find daily keto eats and other fun things. And check out all of my keto supportive programs, bundles, guides, and other cool things over at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash shop. And I'll see you next Sunday. Bye.